Hello, 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 hello. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and indeed, Merry Christmas, or Christmas Eve if you're listening to this on the day it goes live. And welcome back to That Time I Started a Podcast to Read Trash Manga with my friends. And actually, most of them were trash, but some of them weren't. AKA, suppose a kid from the last dungeon boonies moved to a trash manga. AKA, the Trash Manga Friends Podcast. That's right, we're back for the last time in 2020. Three people read two volumes of one trash manga and discuss the good, the bad, and as you know, mostly the trash. I'm your ever-present host, Sean, and I am joined by the Ojosama of Trash, Phil, and our fellow victim, Mike. How are you both? I am filled with Christmas cheer in this month we're recording, which is definitely December. Yeah, yo ho ho. far off, to be fair. It's definite. We're definitely recording this at Christmas time, and we're I'm recording so much exactly cheer. five minutes before it goes live. Yeah, just realistic. I'm taking time out of my precious Christmas preparations to, yes. to do this. <laughs> Family understand that we should. We are stopping in the middle of the festivities just to record about trash manga. <laughs> I mean, how else will we give them the Christmas present of this podcast? I'm fairly certain that if my family found out that I was bailing on events just to talk about the crap that we talk about, they may never talk to me again. It's like, oh, so this, you value this over your family? Like, I guess. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they'll like, get them to listen. They'll understand the masterpiece <laughs> that is. Would they understand? I'm gonna say, like, uh... So you choose abject anger over spending time with your family. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes! So you voluntarily read these things. <laughs> is this a cry for help? Is that what that is? I mean, hey... Did we not the... give you enough attention as a child? <laughs> In fairness, if they only listened to the most recent episode, then they'd have had Apothecary Diaries, where we were all pretty positive about it. So they'd be sure. like, oh, all right. I'll, uh, I'll... <laughs> I'll send my family the episode about a harem. And... Which one? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is the best one we have. Oh, no. <laughs> Son, we need to talk. Y'all need Jesus. <laughs> oh, dear. No, that was Pigpen. Get it right. <laughs> yeah. Ho, 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 indeed. Indeed. But yes, uh, we hope you are having a merry and safe Christmas, whether you're listening to this on Christmas Eve or in 2021 for all I care. Like, I, or 2019, I hope it... if you're a time traveler. Yeah, in which case... Um, <laughs> Look forward to that. <laughs> why, why, did you, why didn't you change history? I've, I've lived through 2020 now. Why did you not change you everything? They didn't change it. Then you know, I want words exactly what they wanted. Is this the darkest timeline? Better than what was originally going to happen. Oh no! What the fuck happened before? Uh, I mean, well, we we've lived nuclear war. We've we've just been through one event that could have gone worse, Mike. So, uh, well, it's like recording. Imagine you meet the time traveler who actively changed 2020 to become what it is today, and we're like, "The how bad was it?" Like, "Eh, this is better." Like, how? (laughs) How is this better? Cite your sources. <laughs> he can't. He's a time traveler. Like, oh, well, I would, but the sources don't exist anymore. <laughs> what do you mean? It would take too long to explain. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Right. Yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> F- Christmas. Christmas fun's over. Now yeah. it's uh. Twenty twenty was a shit show. Merry fucking Christmas. Business only on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it uh, it's it's been a, it's been a good year, and we hope you've enjoyed listening to uh, this show. <laughs> Throughout the year, for the trash manga friends, my oh right, okay, for the podcast. I'm, like, I'm just thinking no, the your... 2020 uh, objectively is shite, and I <laughs> the hate audacity it. to say it was a good year. <laughs> Look, we got to launch this podcast, and I hope we've had fun times doing it. I hope everyone listening has had fun times listening. I agree, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's the most wonderful time of of the year. year. (laughs) Well, in theory, this should be the most wonderful episode of the year, for Phil at least. As this time around, we've covered Hayati no Gotoku, a.k.a. Hayati the Combat Butler, a.k.a. one of Phil's all-time favourite mangas. I wouldn't go that far, but... Oh, all right. (laughs) Well, fuck me. Guess I don't know you that well. Okay. Shit. So, this is a manga. I'm just going <laughs> to no sell that now. So, yeah, this, are, this was originally a manga. Uh, so, it's shonen, rom-com, says slice of life. I wouldn't go that far. But uh, it ran from 2004 to 2017 for 52 volumes, uh, which were 570 chapters across them all. It is licensed by uh, Viz Media, who've currently released 36 of the 52 volumes. They are still going. Uh, Slow pet. I think it's like one every couple of months they release them nowadays. Well, yeah, when I looked earlier, it's like one every six months. Oh, geez. Okay. All right. Well, uh... because the last one came out in September and the next one comes out in March. Damn. Okay. So, you know, you've got, you still got time to catch up on this series that ended. Uh, it is written and drawn by Kenjiro Hatta. And if that rings a bell, that's because uh, he is also the author of Fly Me to the Moon, which we covered back in episode 10. So this was kind of his, wasn't his debut work, but this was the work that kind of got him onto the mainstream and like one of the big time manga authors, as it were. And if you want to check out the anime, good news, you can. They are all available on Crunchyroll, all four seasons of them covering uh, just under, I think, 100 episodes across them all and done by a whole bunch of different studios. There's one by Synergy SP, there's one by JC Staff, there's a couple by Manglobe. And, uh, I mean, if you want more Hayati goodness, then there is also that. There's uh, Hayati no Gotoku Zero, kind of spin-off manga. There's free light novel volumes that you can get, several video games for the DS and PSP, a live-action TV series that ran for, like, 13 episodes. There was a film at some point. I didn't even know that one existed. I remember the film. You remember that, do you? I I remember there being a film. I don't remember much about it, but I remember it. And, uh... Sadly, I couldn't get up-to-date sales figures for this. I know that it's uh, sold 10 million copies as of 2009. So presumably somewhere in the 15 to 20 million copy mark by this point. Uh, so yeah, this is, uh, this is another one where we're not covering like Hayati no Gotoku isn't a Little League something that's only been going for a year or two that no one's really heard of. This is probably one of the, like sitting in the B tier of manga, like one of the big series. But Phil, tell us a little bit more about Hayate. Sure. Much like uh, all of you listening at home, we start our story on Christmas Eve, where our protagonist, Hayate, returns to the office he is currently working at, somewhat illegally, having lied about his age, to find that his parents have arrived and 
taken his paycheck, much to his annoyance, as we discovered that uh, his parents are chronic gamblers and constantly in debt and just awful parents all around, really. So he rushes home to try and get the money to find a note from his parents saying, we've gone to the races to go spend it all. Mm. By the way, we have 150 million yen debt, so we've sold you to the Yakuza. At which point, he decides he needs to do something drastic to come up with the money. So while walking around, he uh, sees a young girl who appears to be very rich from what he can tell. And he comes up with a devious plan to kidnap her and ransom her, which goes terribly because, well, he hasn't thought it out and he's generally not an evil person. And in the process, the Yaksa chase him and try to uh, take the girl and he ends up saving her and she takes him in as her butler, which sets the scene for our series. Yeah, words cannot hammer home how atrocious his parents are. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just Jesus. casual as well. I'd have shot them. I'm just going to put that out there. Well, because we, we discover he's basically been lying about his age for quite a while. Just to I get think he got his first job at nine, I think. Was yeah, I think says. we mentioned somewhere at nine he was lying about his age to get jobs. Just so he had money because, he, uh, obviously, with his parents gambling and constantly in debt, Obviously, it's a poor family. Like they are constantly poor. Yeah, it's, he does. He has to like fend for himself. But not only that, it's how casual his parents are about it as well. About everything. It's like, oh, we've got a job. It's fine. It's like, yeah, but we're in hideous debt. How can you be this irresponsible? Because they're, like, they're not fine. in hideous debt, Mike. They got rid of all their debt by selling their son. <laughs> Selling their son. They just they don't they don't care. They live in the moment. They are just because you they're never actually at least in what we read. I have no idea. Feels read it all, but I have no idea. Like they're not shown in this. They anytime you do see them, are essentially just silhouette people with like I assume the kanji for mum and dad on their faces, just to further hammer home how distant they are. Yeah, like that. They're not super relevant apart from no. this shitty thing that got him into the the situation. That we're having <laughs> to deal with. Apart from yeah. that, they're not really relevant. It's like once they're done, they're done. Yeah. But it's like God, they they have they really hammer home how like ev- casually evil his parents are. They even show him like a diagram of how they managed to break down his body parts into their yeah. value, their yen values, to show how they paid off the debt. It's like fucking hell. That's some. That's some psychotic shit right there. The thing that I liked as well was um, obviously uh, in like chapter two, I think it is, the debt ends up getting paid off um, Mm -hmm. by Nagi, this girl that takes him in. By uh, Mask the Money. Mask the Money, sorry, yes. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. (laughs) Uh, No idea who it could be, but... um, didn't see it and coming, then no. the, the axe is just like, yeah, all right, we'll let him go. Like, that's paid. Why? Why would we care? Yeah, well, I understand. That's actually a pretty common reaction with yeah. these sorts of things. Like, it is a same with uh, kidnappings in real life. It's it's a business transaction. Like, they don't... yeah. I mean, in fairness, if someone comes up and goes, "Here's your 150 million," yeah, I'd be like, all right, yeah. cool. <laughs> it's just, it's just the fact that they're just like so casual. Like, yeah, all right, and it's like you just can't. In that moment, you almost 
it's almost like the Yakuza are better than his parents. Like they are. Yeah. I mean, I guess. I would just say they are. I wouldn't say in that yeah. moment. I'd just say they are. Ah, well. And out of curiosity, I did, in fact, Google how much 150 million yen is. It is about one and a half million dollars and about 1.1 million pounds. I would also point out you're looking at the current exchange rate, not the 2004 exchange rate. Sure. Probably yeah. a bit higher. Probably, yeah. Like in current money, that is ridiculous. If it's higher than that, then oh boy. I mean, it turns out a, a human's body parts are actually worth quite a bit of money. So, you know, there's a lucrative business opportunity for any budding psychopaths out there. You know? I'm pretty sure, I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure in legal terms, there is a value to a life, which is very depressing. <laughs> yeah, I know uh, the military has an actual value of. Uh, a soldier because it takes into account all the money that it takes to train them and or recruit them and all that and they have an actual legit number they can put on the price of each soldier and that's how much it costs the military if one dies in combat which is fucking grim yeah <laughs> but it's it very morbid exist. but yeah <laughs> it exists um... <laughs> And that's what the parents do. <laughs> Super casual. I can't get over the casual part of it. Like exactly how casual they are. Like they don't even have the stones to tell him face to face. They leave him a note to say <laughs> this has happened. Mike, Mike, they're busy going off to the races. <laughs> Fucking hell, yeah, with his money. <laughs> like they don't they don't get, like all they need is essentially is their next fix of money to the point where they just go essentially getting fired from his job that we see him at the start of, just so mm-hmm. they can get the paycheck. Yeah. Yep. They, they realize there's free money there, basically. Yeah, it's there's no, there's no like, much. well, if he stays in the job, then he'll keep getting paid and we'll keep getting money. It's like, nah, if we cut him off now, we'll just get the check and he'll, he'll, he can deal with the next problem. Yes, because if he stayed in the job, then he would get the money. Whereas if that, that's they, the yeah, yeah, if they rat him out now, he loses the job, but they get the money because exactly. apparently it's only natural to give a child's paycheck to their parents. If they're, in fairness, illegally, I suspect it would be. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. But mm. I mean, as as he says, as he's running away, like the shop says, no, no, no parents like that would actually. Yeah. <laughs> no no one would be that heartless. Yeah. <laughs> see that that part, I I did see as a bit of a yada yada to get the story moving because no, absolutely, gambling is a real addiction, a real problem, yeah. and if someone outright says, like it's it's uncommon enough that if someone outright says my parents have a gambling addiction, you have really no reason to not believe them. Like, so I, mm. that was a bit of a yada yada, in my opinion. I mean, maybe he was explaining it in such extreme terms that it sound inherent, sounded inherently I, unbelievable, yeah. but still. I, I think because he, he, the way he explained it, it did sound super extreme. Like, it sounded more than just a gambling problem. Sure. I mean, in fact, um, this but... is a manga of extremes, in fairness. <laughs> Fucking, yeah, it is. They don't do anything half, half arse, they just, they just do it. Yeah. If you're gonna do it, lean in. It's the pretty much the motto of this manga. Like they, they, there are times where he tries to present Hayati as, oh no, he's just a common, he's just a common guy. No, he's I Superman. I, he's no, freaking no. Superman. I don't think at any point have they tried that, considering like the first instance we see of current Hayate, not child Hayate, is he is bellowing it down the street on a bike like faster than a car. 
Yeah, uh, he said he had to keep it below the legal speed limit. <laughs> keep it below the legal speed limit. Hey, that's yeah. a good joke. Uh, yeah, uh, I think they say I put a number on it, like eighty kilometers an hour at one point. Which yes, is maybe. Hell, well, it's yeah. like, that's a, that's a joke later on when he's essentially racing like a high speed car, and they're like, <laughs> "Oh man, they're going just below the legal speed limit." <laughs> yeah, I do yeah. like that. the 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 sidebars uh, that they do for this, like uh, almost soliloquies of, um, like just so you know. And so one of them is this manga supports the legal speed limit or something like that. It's like, nah, yeah, I like that. depicting high speed races, but it's like, no, no, it's fine. They're obeying the speed limit. <laughs> yeah. Just so you know, nothing is illegal in this manga. Like, I mean, this is also the manga where people try to kill people with swords on a regular basis. But besides that, this is, I mean, this is primarily a comedy manga. It's, yeah, yeah I, I got that. Yeah. The <laughs> it's definitely absurdist comedy. Yes. <laughs> yeah like it does it's not quite this far but the other, like, the other night i watched uh the leslie nielsen movie airplane and i get a lot of the same vibes yes. a lot of yeah. absurdist comedy going on like it's not the same because that uses more literal comedy but yeah, it's it's definitely same vibes coming out of this it's just weird for weird sake a lot of the time but it is funny i feel at the very least because i'm always a proponent of like i hate little random so absurdist stuff usually doesn't go over well with me. But I feel that this one, at least, it does kind of set up a world where that can exist. Because yeah, essentially, no, yeah. he gets taken in by, um, I'm going to get his surname wrong, Nagi Sansonen, I believe it is. Uh, sure. Yes, sounds about right off the top I just of my head. Hey, Nagi. Who uh, essentially is absurdly rich, to the, like Jeff Bezos rich, essentially, yeah. where money yeah. has stopped having any concept or meaning. It's just a thing that they have. Like the value has fallen apart at this point. They're at such an extreme end of the scale. Yeah, there is one point where they just she just casually spends like twenty two thousand pounds in one point. Again, I googled it. So by yeah. today's money, twenty two thousand pounds just on a whim. It's like, you know, all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they just, they can just throw money. Away. Like there are like throughout these two volumes, there are multiple times where the mansion she lives in, which isn't small. Uh, yes. uh, is destroyed in some various way, mm-hmm. like some like some window gets shattered or a scene caves in. Let's just find him the next panel because th- when you're that absurdly rich, it's like oh no, problem problem's gone, yeah. fixed. So it, and that kind of does set up like a lot of the insane stuff that happens. You can just get away with saying they're so astronomically rich that sure, <laughs> this is believable. Of course, yeah. there's a robot that's a nursing robot that's also a combat death droid because they're absurdly rich. Sure, of course they can have that. You know, yeah, like we're going to be talking about a lot of very random plot points that happens in this, but that's only because a lot of really random shit happens in this. It's it's, it's very it's, it's very episodic. Yeah, so yes. every chapter has its own self-contained episode, which does bleed over into other ones. But it's not necessarily one continuous plot. It's more what wacky hijinks happens this week. Kind of thing. I'm, I'm sure as Phil will tell you, having read it all, there is very little <laughs> continuous plot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there is one plot point we actually didn't mention. You, you, I was amazed it came up this early. <laughs> the main plot. The main, the main plot. Yeah, you've got to set up the main plot. Oh, obviously, yeah. <laughs> In a manga like this, you'll be lost without it. So <laughs> we, we mentioned when Hayate and Nagi first, air quote, meet. Uh, earlier, obviously, Hayate is intending to kidnap her uh, yeah. and try and ransom her for money to pay off this debt. Come kidnap, with yeah. me, so I can get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sort of <laughs> says, 
come with me with the implication it's being that, it's that fucking shit from fly me to the moon again i was yeah. like not this again <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's like intentionally ambiguously worded so hayate is saying i want to kidnap you effectively and nagi's interpreting it as i i want to go out with you i want to date you kind of thing it's a bit more believable in this than fly me to the moon i'll say because they don't omit keywords they just essentially omit the context of a sentence instead yeah and so the idea is there's this big misunderstanding between the two of them that as far as we've read never been resolved in that Hayate was trying to kidnap her, which Nagi doesn't realize. And Nagi thinks um, Hayate was into her, which he's not as far as we're aware. So there's, there's a lot of that. And you sort of see that in the way Nagi interacts with Hayate as well. There's like lots of little things where she's sort of doing it with the idea that not so much that they're dating that at no point they sort of get that level of misunderstanding but that she thinks he's interested in her so it's like oh let's go watch the sunrise together just the two of us we won't bring any of the other people with us it's a secret so they can't take their helicopter it's yeah secret so they can't (laughs) take the helicopter or anything so hayate's got to bike them the hundred kilometers before daybreak while observing the legal speed limit of course it's just the casualness in which they'll drop these things. It's like, so hang on, we're here. That's there. It's 100 kilometers, Nagi. And like, yeah. It's like, yeah. Why can't we take the helicopter? Because it's a secret. <laughs> you can get there before daybreak because you're my super amazing butler. And then just don't think about the reality of it as his influence, like five minutes in the journey. She's like, does this bike have heating? Like, <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Nagi is very sheltered. Yes. Oh, I, I feel all of the rich people in this are <laughs> phenomenally sheltered. Because again, yeah. they live in their reality where money fixes all the problems, so yeah. they don't need to deal with the real world. The real world has to deal with them, as it were. Yes. It reminds me of when the pandemic and the original lockdowns first started. Uh, there was tons of posts of... Um, People who are house staff, so uh, cooks, cleaners, caretakers, etc. Posts of them talking about their uh, employers and how they just weren't prepared for the real world because they've always had people around them. So it kind of reminds me of that, about how uh, a maid would get a call at like one in the morning from a desperate employer being saying, how do you work the washing machine? (laughs) Or like, you could just come over and do some laundry for me, couldn't you? It feels like that kind of level of if without these people around them, they would be so sheltered that the world would just be a mystery. Well, like another example we get, this is um, at one point Hayate ends up sick because, you you know, he's going through it all. He's been dropped in ponds, dragged through the dirt, this, that, the other. And then he gets shut out from the mansion because he, accidentally said the wrong thing or something and yeah. Maggie was mad at him. So he ends up with a cold. And then they're sort of talking about Cold's how... the most deadly disease in yeah. anime and manga. Just true. true. Uh, so I just... Like, oh. so, sorry. I'm so sorry to interrupt but I'm just going to tangent here because I remember there's a scene in anime from a while back called um, I think it was Galay Donna or Galileo Donna where um, someone literally falls from a third story roof crashing down into like various rooms and landing on a car on the way. And uh, the hor- horrific disease they got or the injury they got from this was a, a bad cold. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and on the flip side of that, you see characters in other anime all over the place where their one defining feature is the fact that they have some sort of deadly disease for the entire length of the anime, which goes on for years. It's like, <laughs> that's their one defining feature. Uh, yeah. One that springs to mind is Bleach. Uh, yeah, uh, forget the character's name, but just has tuberculosis the entire um, time. Oh, Ukitake. Yeah, yeah. Ukitake, yeah, that's all. Like, yeah, uh, just has tuberculosis just casually. Like, why? <laughs> I mean, in fairness, you barely see him in that thing, like, because they're usually sure. written oh, off. He's always sick. Like, always sick. He's always no, sick. Like, they follow through on it. Impaired. It's not like he's been Superman. <laughs> I, it's just, I'm just saying it's a trope. Sure. <laughs> But and yes, yeah, deadly, deadly, bad colds. Yes, sorry, Phil, I interrupted. Uh, yeah, saying how Shelton Nagy is. So uh, when Hayate's got this cold, she decides to make him some food because uh, some competitive mindset that's going on at the moment. So she goes to make him some like porridge or whatever. Um, and she's like, oh, I want to make it taste like really great with special flavor only I could make. So she ends up putting some, like, I think one of the things she puts in is vinegar, which I'm pretty sure doesn't go in any kind of food like that. I admit I'm not up on my Japanese cuisine that much, but I'm assuming mm. vinegar doesn't go in it. But sure. then you also find out a few pages later she's put in the lemon flavored dish soap, not realizing <laughs> it was dish soap. <laughs> dish soap. Try that again. Have you eaten some lemon scented dish soap? No, we don't have lemon dish soap at the moment. Oh, I do. We just have dish soap. I mean, go, go, go give it a taste for the podcast, Mike. Just... <laughs> I'll go, go quaff some soap and be right back. Let's go grab a Tide Pod and... Oh, uh, remember that, for, that craze? I wish I didn't. <laughs> yeah, her putting dish soap in is definitely like... Woof, wow, okay. And then poor Hayati, obviously, then having to deal with the consequences of this by having to eat every last drop of it, even though, yeah. as they point, as a Maria character will get to in a bit, points out, this will kill you if you keep doing this kind of stuff. You will die. So much should have killed Hayati in this. Even the uh, little fourth wall breaking narration is like, good kids shouldn't do this. <laughs> Pretty yeah. much. Like, this, this manga's. This, this manga devotes a surprising amount of panels devoted to warning the readers off of doing what is present in the manga. A surprising amount of, don't try this at home, kids. I mean, yeah. I can't blame it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's just, it, that gives you the idea of how extreme this manga is, that they feel the need to repeatedly offer legal disclaimers. <laughs> I feel it's also more um, Hatter style is a lot of fourth wall breaking and referencing stuff, so oh, yeah, that kind of, of those, ties yeah. into that. Tons of those. Like, uh, a lot of Gundam references in particular? Yes. Fucking hell, loads of them. Like, if you don't like fourth wall breaks and pop culture references and, well, just that style of comedy in general, this is sure as shit not the one for you. <laughs> it is constant. Even when the thing's getting serious, it can't help itself. Every so often, just slips in another Gundam reference, and then has the rest of the cast say, "Hey, was that a Gundam reference?" And then you have a translator note saying, "Yes, it was a Gundam reference." Oh, I didn't even read the translator notes for this, and like, I can't be bothered to read essays on what this <laughs> thing refers to. You don't have to for a lot of them. A lot of them are just saying no, no. that this this is Gundam or whatever. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it ties into Nagi's person because, like, Nag's, Nagi's yeah. an otaku, so she's hopelessly yes. obsessed with like anime and manga. So again, and because she's so rich, she just that's how she sees reality at times. So they're like, "Oh, Hayati still has two transformations left," mm-hmm. and Hayati has to be, "No, no, that's not. I'm a normal human. That's uh... not how it works." Yeah, okay, sure, but he doesn't have transformations. <laughs> I, I wouldn't put it past this thing. They did <laughs> no, say sure. at one point, they make that one of those fourth wall breaks, it's kind of three quarters of the way through what we read, I guess. Uh, they, they say, is this about to turn into a combat manga? Like, no. Oh, <laughs> that's the end of that. I mean, I feel a lot of it is <laughs> what we've read. Uh, sure. Uh, it, it has its moments, but... Overall, I mean, it's got the word no. combat in the title. What were you expecting? <laughs> yeah. That's what I was expecting, honestly. I was like, all right, when are we going to get to the, uh, the yeah, shonen no, there's, there's the shonen parts in it, but it is more focused on the funny jokes. Than... Yeah, kind of slice of life. Slice of a very weird life, yes. kind of. <laughs> very out there almost all of the time. Yes. It is purely... Random. I, w- I was going to call Hayate at one point the human pincushion, but he rarely actually gets hit, which is kind of his shtick. I, d- I don't know. He gets wailed on a lot. He just has a very high durability, I'd say. He also has insanely bad luck. Yes. Like yes. Such misfortune. <laughs> yeah, he's developed an intuition for misfortune. <laughs> he knows exactly when something's about to go wrong, but for some reason still gets sucked in <laughs> like a whirlpool towards despair. Because he's just such a nice guy, Mike. He just can't turn away, even when he knows it's all going to go horribly wrong. Because that of got it. so fucking old. So yes, fast. that's fair. <laughs> but I'm like, you're such a good person. Like, shut up. Just fucking. If you're such a good person, it doesn't need to keep being said, does it? I mean, fairness, he is. I would still I'm, say he is a good person. Like, sure. I mean, apart from the fact that his immediate response was not to go to the police; it was to kidnap and ransom someone. <laughs> Doesn't matter that he didn't go through with it. That was his first initial. That was his first idea. Because <laughs> he's such a good person, he doesn't want to do- throw his parents to the dogs. God. <laughs> he just wants to he kidnap wants some to kidnap. random. He's, he's phenomenally girl. naive at times. Let's put it that way. Yes. <laughs> yes. Just, he's the good in everyone, even when there's clearly no good there. Except he also doesn't. It it's very inconsistent. Because there's another scene at some point, and there's no way we. There's no chance of us talking about this in any kind of linear order, because... It's largely unimportant. Yeah, like, you could easily pick up any... After, like, the you've read the first two, maybe three chapters, you could easily just pick up any random chapter of this and read it, and it would make equal amounts of sense. But there's one scene at some point where we're introduced to another 10,000-year-old lolly girl who uh, is a friend of Nagi, we find out later. And she's just wandering around, also quite sheltered, tries to feed it, and I believe it's an IOU, tried to feed it into a vending machine. Uh, it was a talisman. Okay, right. This will be Isumi, yes. yes. Yes, and obviously it doesn't work. And she, this is the point where he's like, no, I, I'm getting this intuition, my spidey sense is tingling, this is all going to go horribly wrong. This is also after a long period of, for some reason, he'd been given a cashmere coat. Because he's an official butler of the family now, so he has to right, wear okay. not an expensive-looking coat, an expensive, an expensive coat. coat. I love that joke. <laughs> <laughs> and he needs to... He's spent a very long time trying to make sure nothing happens to this. In some surprisingly funny 
sidebar jokes as no, well. No, not my gets cash me a really dirty paint. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. <laughs> and yeah, it's a uh, off. He was offered some food, or he bought some food, and he has to throw it away because it's the stains cashmere type sauce or something. It's like, oh no, I knocked over the paint cans. I've never get this on cashmere, or it ruins it paint. <laughs> Oh no, a truck full of octopuses <laughs> that spew cashmere ruining ink is coming yeah. towards me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that sort of stuff was just so weird that it was funny. And then after all that, while he's wearing his cashmere coat that he's done incredibly well in spite of all this adversity to manage to get it not stained or damaged in any way. And then as soon as this girl shows up, he can't help himself. He's got to help her. And then a bunch of people with swords show up and he's like ah these are kidnappers and we find out very quickly that they're actually employees but he goes through great lengths to try and essentially kidnap this girl because again no one says this to each other they're like how dare you she belongs to us (laughs) to be fair izumi is like there you can see she's clearly trying to but because she's quite quiet she's I guess. shy and yeah, has a problem speaking she's up, not so. good with fast talkers or something yeah <laughs> she's she's quite quiet and doesn't speak up much so she can't really say no those are my employees they're also not so incredibly sheltered yeah oh yeah <laughs> all the rich people are <laughs> she's she's also quite airheaded because it's implied she gets lost frequently because that's sort mm, of yes. the whole setup her her employees are like oh no she's left a note saying she's gone to see uh, Nagi, we can't find her anywhere. Oh no! <clears throat> and then Hayate bumps into her, and she's like, "I'm going somewhere. I don't know where. I don't know where I am. I don't know how to get there." <laughs> and Hayate's just like, "I, uh, <laughs> somebody might kidnap this girl. Some, someone might kidnap this girl." And then the employees turn up, thinking he's kidnapping her, pull out the sword. Yeah, and then that. There is a surprising amount of kidnapping attempts in this. They're cashmere-cutting swords. (laughs) They're cashmere-cutting swords, yep. Which I'm pretty sure is just a sword, but... Yeah, that's the joke with all of these things, Phil. (laughs) I suppose, yes. (laughs) Every single thing can ruin cashmere. Uh, That's actually how he gets the cold, eventually, uh, because in order to escape these employees with swords, he jumps into a lake or he tries to jump over the lake yeah, and he, he tries to jump over a pond and he uses the coat as sort of like a, a vine swing yeah yeah and it just sort of rips and he <laughs> it's ruins yeah falls into it and then he he bumps into the yakuza from like the first few chaps who are like all buddy buddy with him and then the employees <laughs> bump into him and like oh clearly he's part of the mafia and the mafia like, oh no we've got to save our buddy and he's like he's gonna try and sneak away and then they're like oh sneaking away on your friends just the works of a team open. Yeah, this is this is pretty much emblematic of the entire series. A walk in a nice coat turns into a kidnapping and gang war plot with swords. Yeah. That's pretty much how every chapter of this progresses in that fashion. It also highlights how good this is at reusing its recurring characters, because you would think after the Yakuza in chapter one, you'll never see them again. But no, they do come back several times throughout the series. Apart from the parents. You'll see, you'll see, you'll see the silhouette people with with kanji on their faces now and again. <laughs> it's just weird. There's another episode yes. where, <laughs> in order, like quite one of the early ones, in order to prove that he can take care of kids as his role as a butler, he has to fight a robot. 
That's it. He's got to pass yep. the test to win the approval of the head butler, Klaus, who yeah. is very clearly Jeeves slash Alfred. But. Yeah, and it involves him getting shot with nursing missiles or something. It's the world's number one nursing robot, Mike. Of course, yeah, absolutely. It's just weird, yeah. man. Like, it's tiring to read, is what it is. It just throws you so much stimuli at you at all times. It is relentless, I feel, is the term I yeah, use. Like, it goes from beat to beat to beat to beat. So each chapter will have like one concept or episode, as it will, will have one concept. But like literally, after every couple of pages, he goes right now onto the next beat, onto the next beat, onto the next beat. It is very relentless in that regard. And a lot of the because of the, how referential the humor is and because how they often like to info dump to highlight what the absurdity is. There's a lot of text. Like it's often pretty heavy text density on these pages yeah. for what is essentially just Butler fights crazy robot. It d does take some time to get through. Like this one, yeah. a lot like the last episode's manga, it took me a while to read it. Even though it's, it's relatively, relatively simple in concept, it's just, it takes a while to get through if you sit down and read everything. One thing about that is I do think the first two volumes are a bit denser. Like, mm -hmm. even though, so when, when it was running, Hayate was a weekly series. But there was about 10 chapters in these first two volumes. We read about 20 chapters. Yeah. And for a weekly series, you would probably be looking close to about 15 in the first two volumes. Right. So... There was a bit more in these two volumes, I think, than you would perhaps get nowadays at the very least. So that could be part of it. I do, I do agree, just like skimming through, even as we're talking, like looking at some of these pages, they're like 50% text. I just noticed as I was reading it, I was like, this is considering I had read it before and I've watched all the first season of the anime, I was like, this is taking me a long time to get through, considering not a lot is actually happening in theory. <laughs> Yeah, there were multiple times when I would have to go back and reread a page because I was just lost. <laughs> I got lost later. Oh, wait, what, what happened? Did I miss something? Yeah, it turns out I missed something. One of like a quarter of the page was devoted to this random robot and his feelings about being put on the wrong scrap pile. <laughs> uh, you, can't, you, can't put, you can't put him in the incombustible trash. That's illegal. <laughs> Gotta put them in the recyclable. So <laughs> much. Hey, that was a good payoff shit. to that chapter. It I'm was. Sure, sure. <laughs> like, I'm not saying any of the payoffs are bad because there is payoffs, which is definitely more than we get with some of the shit we. I was gonna say, it throws so many jokes at the wall. And I'm not saying that that means inevitably some of them stick because I feel it does. I'd say it hits more often than it misses, at least in these thirsty volumes. But yeah, there's just. It just comes at you with everything. So. I don't think most of the jokes are meant to stick. They're, I think they're more meant to just keep you moving. Not, even, not so much invested, but it need, like, it's just a rapid fire of content. And I think that's where a lot of the comedy comes from. Because when you get like, so many jokes just stuffed in together like this, just like, beat by beat by beat by beat constantly, you don't really need to be invested in any of them because there's just so many of them. So if you just keep getting hit with something every so often you'll get a massive pace change and that's when the comedy hits that's the ones that actually make you laugh because i don't know how many actual laughs i got out of this i did get a few i know i got a few it wasn't wasn't a small amount but i didn't laugh at every single joke 
because it doesn't really care if every single joke hits. It's just, this is a weird thing to set you up for something that might actually be funny later. And that's a very trying style. It's one of the things that feeds into how it's so hard to read because it just keeps hitting you. It's tiring. <laughs> so much fatigue by the end of this. There is a lot of this as well, again, because I've got the context, having seen the entire first season, so I know a bit more what comes down the line. This is a lot of introductions as well and establishing characters who will then come back late in later chapters for their kind of joke style, as it were. For, for what it's worth, just because you mentioned it there, uh, the anime goes off and does its own thing. Oh, God, yeah. But, you know, I mean... <laughs> I mean, lo- largely irrelevant. It's got a rigorous yeah. plot to follow, Bill. No, but I'm just saying, the, the point is, yeah. like... All of the animes are anime original endings or anime original content. For the most part, yeah. I think uh, all of them. Season yeah. two was like 09, so it wouldn't have ended by then. But no, no, no I, I'm not saying it would have, but I'm just saying, like, I know yeah. the first season in particular, which is like 52 episodes. Yes. They, they adapt like the first few chapters, which, as you say, introducing everyone, setting up the main premise. And then it, it is basically just more of the same. It yeah. is still. Hayate, I could quite easily you could see some of those episodes would be a chapter or two of the manga, but they're not is the thing. It's just its own story. I think it would be very, very easy to do uh, anime original endings or anime original content mostly because what you gotta do is what you gotta do is play Mad Libs just throw together yeah. some random words and there's an episode right there. It really is. Pretty much. It, it, it strays so close to just being lol random not quite i will give it that it strays all the way up to the line but it never quite says this is funny just because it's random they still even when they are shotgunning jokes at you they still do take the time to set up the joke and then pay the joke off uh so it's never a case of you're just walking along and suddenly there's a piece of cheese running down the road into the future like what okay that was random yeah but it wasn't funny uh they don't ever do that they they actually do take time to fully form jokes which is admirable it shouldn't be admirable it shouldn't it, that shouldn't be above the standard for this kind of comedy but it is somewhat admirable that they take time to try and craft legitimate humor yeah and i mean as i mentioned earlier because of the way they set up the world it kind of facilitates that quasi low random style so it can get away with it yeah. Like, if, if there was a cheese that came from the future running down in here, they'd probably be like, yeah, R&D, develop that. Don't... Yeah. Isn't that a normal thing, where you're from? <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> the weird one for not knowing this. Which, well, that's yeah. the thing. That's one of the recurring things of this, like, the common people, so Hayate, pretty mm-hmm. much. They're the weirdos, like, that's, like, you're, you're poor, and you're shabby, and you're just weird, you just don't, like, they can just tell by smell. Just on site, even when he's dressed up to the nines, they're like, no, this, who's this commoner that snuck in on you on your helicopter flight to our mansion? That was one of the weirdest jokes that I just, I didn't get at all. I feel like it was meant to be very funny, and I just, I didn't see the humor in it. It was this person who they've hired as a butler. It, they're saying constantly, like, you're a poor person. How dare you be here? You're poor. And like, would he be here if he wasn't? Like, how rich do you think butlers are? I mean, there's Maria, whose wealth is never really dated, but they don't no. treat her the same way, so presumably she comes from a better background. 
Well, it's like I don't look at the Fresh Prince of Bel Air and say Jeffrey must be rolling in it. You know, it's just that's. I mean, I don't know. I, I would say he's probably rolling in it. <laughs> it's just not the relationship you have. That's because we're commoners, Mike. Oh, we're not that, rich Bezos rich. We don't have oh, that okay. huge world perspective. <laughs> I, I think that's the, the problem. Is, I think the point is, if if you're mega rich, why you you can afford the best of the best, and why why are you hiring this peasant, this person <laughs> who is living in abject poverty and has 150 million yen debt when you could just hire a distinctly normal person like someone who is not horribly in debt and reeks of poverty as it were i don't care that he's not a rich person it's more that he's lower than the average person it's it's more he is so dirt poor it's he's not one of us why Hey, this this thing. I, I recently watched the uh, the Korean movie Parasite, and <laughs> hey, with a few minor touches to this plot, this particular plot point, it could easily have turned into that movie. That's all I'm saying. Incidentally, complete side note: watch Parasite. It's really good. Complete tangent, I know, but sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the other thing as well is, um, I could be wrong on this. There's something in the back of my head that makes me say like you actually had to be trained to be a butler, like professionally trained, like go to butler school and all this kind of stuff. So I do know there is actual butler academies, like where you get that exact training. So the idea that someone can walk in off the streets and be like a butler is maybe that's kind of what they're getting at. Like, no, no, he's, he's not trained. He shouldn't, he shouldn't be a butler. He's, he doesn't have the standards or the class. From what I understand, as someone who does not have butler money, uh, there is like a there is like academies of sorts where you can go to trade as a butler, but it's not required exactly. Like you don't need a license or anything. It's one of those no. if you haven't been there, why why would they hire you? And there are people that have. Yeah, that that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like I'm sure you don't need to, to say I am a butler, but actually, when you're mega rich, like. Nagi, why wouldn't you hire the people who've got the qualifications? Like, they, they have the piece of paper that says, I'm professionally trained and I'm so great and I'm the best money can afford because, well, she can afford anyone. Seriously, man, I'm, I'm saying, watch Parasite. <laughs> yep. <Okay. It's, laughs> it didn't, seriously, hits on all of the same points we're talking about, apart from, you know, the nursing robots apart from and the comedy. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> meant to be. <laughs> Parasite's the one where the guy has the eyeball in his hand, right? No. I swear that's the promotional image for Parasite that I remember. It's, it's not. Okay. You might be thinking of a different Parasite. It might be a different Parasite. It's gonna say, I'm thinking of the famous anime. Oh, no. No, slash manga. no. Mike's talking about a Korean film that came out no. a year ago. Won, like, all the awards, yeah. I, I get the feeling that they're probably based off the same material. They are definitely not. If you're talking about eyeballs in hand, they're definitely not. My, my understanding is Parasite is about essentially a pandemic-esque event. Oh, great. I'll get watching that right it's also, now. It's also yes. not. Oh, okay. <laughs> You'd I've assume that by it. the name, but it's not. I've, I have not seen it myself. It is, in fact, about a family of very, very poor people who will do anything to get ahead uh, but they are um, 
innate uh, scammers, and they're, they're only ever, much like the parents of this one, they're only ever looking for their next hit of money rather than trying to do anything long term. So they're just always in constant poverty, and it's about how they scam their way into uh, a rich family and feed off them like a parasite. And I won't say any more than that because it is a really good movie and everyone should watch it. Oh, no, you're right. It is different. But, uh, all oh, right. Okay. That's why, because the reason I, the one I searched for came up first because I spell it with a Y, whereas your film spells it with an I. Yes. There you go. Well, God knows how you spell it in the original Korean. <laughs> both, both worth checking out. But, uh, there you go. Yeah, sure. But this one, back to, back to this one. <laughs> I mean, we spent, we talked a lot about Hayati. Do you want to talk about the, the Sansan in staff, as it were? So Nagi and Maria. Sure. Maria. I don't know what to think about Maria. Nagi's fine. She is a bit of a stereotype. The um, the shouty, <laughs> the shouty kind of mean child young yeah, girl. Yeah, she's very kind of split personality. Yeah, very Lolu. The Sundari. Bit of a stereotype, but fine as a character. So I'm going to have this this argument with so with Nagi. So there, right. there are a couple of things that weird me out with Nagi. Firstly, she's 13. Yep. Apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she looks eight. Yes. Yeah, she's she 13. looks younger than that. I swear she said she was 13. You've got anime and manga where age is. Oh no, I get that. <laughs> age is a spectrum. because Maria's 17 and she looks like she's early 20. Wait, she was 17? Yeah, she's no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They I do. Uh, that. It doesn't come up in the main story, but in her profile, they do say her age is a little unknown because uh, she was basically abandoned as a baby and raised at an orphanage, so no one knows her exact birth date. Definitely not seventeen. Like at least twenty-five. At <laughs> least she's not. <laughs> Based like, on that's another one of the jokes is that she's younger than everyone assumes, but. Uh... Mm-hmm. Either way, yeah, that's 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 a whole weirdness in and of itself. But the problem with Nagi one is not so much in the actual manga content itself, apart from one or two occasions, but a lot of the promotional kind of chapter images are yes. Nagi in various provocative yeah, or sensual was... poses, which is like, I I appreciate this isn't part of the main story, this is just the promotional image for like the chapter cover. But still it's a bit it's like what audience are you trying to attract and why do you think they won't be betrayed once they get into it i mean in fairness they do make jokes about anyone who has an attraction to nagi being a pedophile essentially (laughs) yeah they do straight up say that at one point uh there is a point where nagi also gets kidnapped because a surprising amount of that happens in this because she's mega rich yep sure i mean it makes sense (laughs) sure sure but there is like i'm just saying in terms of percentage of content of kidnapping to non-kidnapping. Like, if you were mega rich, maybe you'd be kidnapped more often. You know what? That's what it is. I'm just jealous. I'm jealous that <laughs> the kidnappers don't want me. <laughs> but in one of the kidnapping attempts, she is in the backseat of the car that she's been hustled into, and she's insulting the drivers, saying things like their breath is a biohazard and things like that. Something you probably expect from her character. Yeah. And... At one point, one of the uh, one of the kidnappers says, uh, "Shut up, or I'll use your body for nefarious things." Essentially, saying he, he's going to yes. assault her, sexually assault her. At which point, his partner leans over and says, "Whoa, dude, when did you become a pedophile?" <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> I do appreciate that they call attention to it again. 
shouldn't be the bar that we're at here. Absolutely shouldn't. But the fact that they are willing to say, dude, don't be a pedo. It's actually yeah. kind of funny. <laughs> and yet people keep perving on Nagi as well. Like they keep doing it. There's one point where you meet a gardener on the on the house grounds. He's just doing some gardening and he talks about how profoundly intelligent and how much wisdom he has. They talk about that and um Hayati himself is like, oh yeah, whatever, trying to find reason to leave. To which he gets very insulted by it's all a, it's a whole thing. But and then at one point he says, I'm gonna show you how how insightful I am. And he takes her to takes him to the window next to where Nagi, this 13-year-old who looks eight years old, where she's changing in the room. She's changing her clothes. And at which point Hayati rightfully says, dude, what the fuck? Which is all messed up and stuff. So again, it's another time that they're calling it out, which is doesn't make it better they're doing it, but it does make it fine that they're calling it out. It's kind of funny. But then the fucked up part is we find out later that's actually her grandfather. Yes. Like, yep. What the fuck? <laughs> I, I took that to be the grandfather was trying to see Hayate's reaction, maybe. Like, right, so it was a test. His intentions, yeah. It was fucked I don't know. up. This is, this is the grandfather who has made the clause for if you want to get the family fortune, you have to make Nagi break down and cry and beg for forgiveness. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, that's, that's an open invite to everyone, as far as I could tell. If yes. anyone wants this mega Bezos money uh, inheritance, then all they have to do is break down this apparently 13-year-old child and get her to beg for forgiveness. Why? I mean, granted, rich, this also rich, man. rich people. Rich man. <laughs> granted, this also never comes back up again. I mean, at least what we read, but it will. This is this is the actual plot that occasionally oh, okay. rears its ugly head. Yes, Al along with the magical necklace that he throws him. That's right. That's the yeah. plot right there. That, I can tell you what happens with it because it barely ever happened. Comes up in the anime again. Oh, oh but, uh, uh, give it like two hundred chapters. I was gonna say, yeah. I'm not even kidding. Give it 200 chapters. You've got to get through the 40-hour tutorial before yeah. you can get into the plot. That's the weird dichotomy of the pacing. Like the actual, like the chapters themselves are relentlessly fast-paced and all that. But if you're interested in the actual plot, oh boy! Yeah, I think we you're mentioned it. Mentioned this in a previous episode about how the plot is glacially slow. No, no. Fly me to the moon is going in like rapid gear. <laughs> yeah, by comparison. Is it though? In the two volumes we led, there's more main plot in Fly Me to the Moon than there is in this. Uh, uh, I don't know. Because for me, Fly, Fly Me to the Moon, the main plot is the mystery around Tsukasa. Yes. Which we have found very little of. But there's a lot more hinting and stuff at like that, whereas in this one, it's, it's a necklace. And if you didn't know that was the main plot, then you'd be like, okay. Yeah, I absolutely just dismissed that out of hand. To be fair, the main plot is actually the misunderstanding between Hayate and Nagi. I think the main issue is that this thing is so it, it's so obsessed with just cramming in as much random, weird, absurd jokes that it just needs to take time to think, right, at what point are we going to have a serious moment to develop plot or character? And it does it so rarely that it's easy to dismiss actual plot development as just another one of the random side things, which I did apparently do. 
that's that's completely uh, believable. There's no yeah. reason from what we've read to believe that this was the main plot outside of going, well, if that's her granddad, maybe that's a bit more important, maybe. I mean, the, it does say that the necklace is his key to basically resolving it all, which implies there is something going on with it, but that's all we find out about in those two volumes. And apparently this is the main plot. Um, where now that people have found out that all they got to do is make Nagi cry, essentially, they have decided that attacking her, is that's not going to work. Because, of course, if you kill her, then you're not going to get the inheritance, obviously. So what they're going to do is kill her beloved butler <laughs> instead. To be fair, uh, we find out the grandfather even says that. <laughs> he says, like, don't, yeah. don't bother attacking Nagi. She's not going to cry if you attack her. Just mm-hmm. because that's who she is, she'll You're just tell you to go like kill yourself or something instead. But if you attack Hayate, she actually cares about him. So it's like, yeah, I I can believe it. It's just another weird ass excuse to just fill the thing with random shit. And there's a lot of those mm. in this. I mean, that's the whole point. One might yeah. say. <laughs> I mean, hey, you didn't get to the parts where you start going to school again, Mike. That's Yeah, that's there is no like. indication this is a school manga. I only know that because you guys have said it. So, I mean, the reason, in fairness, is because this takes place over the course of, like, essentially one week at Christmas to New Year. So yes. there's no re- they wouldn't have gone back to school yet at this point. Well, I mean, uh, just, just for funsies here, uh, the entire manga takes place over a year. What? Even one year. How many chapters is this? 570. So it can't be one chapter a day. <laughs> no. I mean, it's not. Like, the start it's deliberately not. said. I think the first volume is essentially two days. Yeah, like, the, there are a few chapters you see where it's like, oh, this is December 27th at 10pm, and then a couple of chapters later, it's like December 27th, 4pm. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, to be fair... Uh, they actually do bring it up in some of the later chapters as well. It's like, oh, I, I just bought the new iPhone. They're like, no, no, it's 2004. That what, what We're on the iPhone 1 or whatever it was at that point in time. <laughs> yeah. Stop, the stop, iPod. To, stop dating this manga. <laughs> like, they, they actually call out how long it's been running and how little in-world time has passed. Yeah, that makes sense, just based on... The sheer amount of fourth wall breaking and yes, pop culture that's, references. That's kind of like just an inevitability when you're along one. Like Detective Conan has similar issues because it's been going for so fantastically long, like 30 plus years, when in reality, I think... Four, I think? It's, it's a long last time. But like when, when in world, only like two years have passed, but they have to keep changing the goalposts. So yeah, they have, they have mobiles now. It's yeah. kind of weird that they even attempt to do that with this because it's sure as shit not based in reality. Like, why even bother? They, they, they do it very tongue-in-cheek. It's just like, yes, we've got all the latest gadgets, but like every so often it's like, ah, yeah, this was like R&D made it, or this totally not Sony because, you know, they have to censor all the names and things. Oh, you just reminded me of something. Yep. Good old Sony, yeah. or I don't know, whatever. I think they do actually say Sony at one point. Yes, they do, but they censor Wait, out like yeah, the sorry, Yeah, this is Hayati, so it will use the actual terms, it will just put stars in the names. <laughs> sure. And if you're watching the anime, they'll just be going, beep, 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 yeah. beep, beep. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate that, because, you know, it is actually funny. 
there's just so much random shit in this. I can't, <laughs> I can't get away from that because you've now just reminded me of another thing that happened. She just has a pet tiger. Like, <laughs> oh, Tama. Yeah. That can speak for like no reason. Oh, okay, no. To be clear here, it can speak, but only Hayate knows this because it right, only right, speaks yep. to Hayate. Okay, of course. Because he doesn't want to shatter. Are you telling me you didn't like the punchline to that chapter where after they'd fought for a bit and they had this big scrap and then Hayati learned the backstory of the tiger that the tiger had also been saved from dying in the wild African savannah, that's the word I'm after, Mm -hmm. and they'd been raised so it can only stay here because it's now used to the very best of living. And then after all this moment of like, oh, I can, I get you, you and I, we're the same, and then I'm nothing like you, loser. <laughs> and just walks away. <laughs> You're yep. telling me you didn't like that payoff, Mike. <laughs> I'm just saying it's weird. <laughs> hey, don't you know, Tam's got like a boiler engineer's license as well. We find yep, out. yep. And he's also a builder as well. Yep, builder, don't forget yeah. that. Yep. Why? Oh. How? <laughs> when? <laughs> uh, money, money, and money. Money. <laughs> But all without them knowing. I, um, <laughs> it hurts. It actually hurts me. <laughs> it's like I can I can appreciate some random and absurdist humor, but when it just it just compiles it on top of itself, like yeah, it's it, most humor has at least a foundation in reality. This doesn't. This is just weird on top of weird on top of. Oh, isn't that random? <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's still funny. It is. I, I hate yeah. that it's funny, but it is. Uh, is this more of Mike's begrudging laughter of like, why, why am I laughing? <laughs> Broken laughter, maybe, rather than begrudging, because <laughs> even I can see that it plainly see it, it's funny. Like it does, it takes time to actually form jokes. And if it was, I don't feel bad for laughing at it, which is a big problem we have with some of the manga we read, <laughs> where it gets actual laughs at me and I hate myself for weeks afterwards. But this is actually funny, and I don't hate myself for liking it. It's, it's just, yeah, it's so hard to read and enjoy long term because it's just it's rapid fire, constantly weirdness. <laughs> it's so painful, and that's right, on top then. of what's well, on top of the fact that I fucking hate the art. Hate I was it. about to go into the art, like yeah, hate it. You hate it. Hate it. Bear in mind, it is 2004 art. Sure. And, I mean, Loveless was from that era-ish as well. Hey, that too. But... Did you... I thought you were right with the art in Fly Me to the Moon, which was essentially this, but cleaner. Yeah, that's the problem. That's the point. Okay. key point there. It's so much cleaner. It is so much less messy. It's a change in technologies, basically. This would have all been hand-drawn. And that's fine and all, but it's not like literally messy, like sketchy lines and stuff. That is, that is a bit harder to read, but it's. Still I was gonna fine. say, I, st- I still can't. I tried to look it up. I still think he does art, does art digitally because this nowadays it's, he might mu- it's muckier, but this still has the same kind of like the lines themselves are pretty clean in one stroke. But again, if this was two thousand and four, this would be like the dawn of drawing tablets. So also, also bear in mind. Uh, the means by which we were reading this. Sure, yeah. There's also the, the distinct possibility that scans are just low quality. 
it, it's less low quality. It's more the process through which it goes, which is scanning it, cleaning it, and all that jazz, which does affect the art. Well, it's not really the the sketchiness of the lines or anything like that. Like that's not my issue. My issue is that every almost every single frame of this is so busy. Like I know I I shit on manga for being too reductive at times, but there's just so much stuff, even in like the basic panels, where it's like when it's just two people talking. There's just so many things to absorb, and it's it's not a feast for the eyes. It's a bloated gut for the eyes it's too much there is so so busy in the artwork that you can't absorb any of it or at least i had trouble i can't say i ever really felt that like it it's clear which bits you're meant to be concentrating on and which bits are just background noise as it were so i didn't i've read some where it's like panels are just a mess and it's hard to tell where you know to looking but i i didn't have that problem here i must say i couldn't stand it like it, it was made it was already hard to read because how busy the text was but then on top of that having busy artwork as well it just it made it very harsh on the reading centers of my brain just it it made it so i had to take everything so much slower and it really slowed down the reading process which is not necessarily a bad thing like if you like to take time with reading stuff but it's for me it, it made the whole thing very slow paced which is uh, difficult for me to gel with at the best of times. I can't say I ever had much trouble with it. Say, compared to Fly Me to the Moon, it definitely feels a bit rougher around the edges, but as I say, I think that's down to a change in technology and probably experience, because obviously Hayate ran for... 13 years i think yeah i believe hatter i don't think i'd like uh, i don't it, as i said i don't think this was their first one but they weren't the veteran they are now at the start of hayate yeah i think the only thing he'd really done before this was like one or two one shots this was the first serial series he did yeah i can absolutely believe that this is not necessarily a first attempt but it's uh it's a first it, it's a first step of many and i totally get that like, cause I can absolutely see the potential in the artwork, but for me, it's it's not there yet. And I think that's mm. quite clear by, even if you just look at Fly Me to the Moon, uh, you can just see how much further that same style has come along. And it's yeah. just much clearer. With Fly Me to the Moon, I really had no problems with the art, unless you can cut in a clip of me being mad at it now. <laughs> I really don't remember what I said. That, that's way too much editing work. <laughs> But yeah, it's, I really had no problems with the art for that. This one, though, it was so much harder on me. And I do give it some grace because it was 16 years ago at, this, at the point of this recording. Almost 17 at the point of this recording. But it's, uh, it's rough. It's rough on the eyes. And I, it does deter me from reading more of it because of that. So I don't think it was any worse than anything else from that time period like loveless i mean loveless is the point of comparison we'd have on this show <laughs> yeah. let's yeah. never compare anything to loveless <laughs> fair I'm, I'm always a person who can forgive art if the story is good it's like how i can still go back and play happily play playstation one games which are clearly dated because of the technology at the time was worse but i can still enjoy them if they're good games it's only when the games don't stand up to muster that I think I can't play this anymore. 
And that's the same thing with manga. You can always go back and read an manga if you still appreciate the story. My issue with this is that I find it difficult to connect with the story because of the rapid-fire joke-telling style of it. On top of the fact that I don't like the artwork, it makes it such a tough read for me, which is why I had to end up going back and reading pages again and just have to double-check my work, essentially doubling the reading load, and it just made it drag on and on and on. Some of the jokes that were meant to be done in a panel I had to read multiple times because of the invasive artwork. And if that doesn't bother you, then that's fine. Like, if you can look at this and think the art style's fine to your eyes, that's great. But to my eyes personally, ugh, it was hard. It's a hard read. Yeah, as, as, as I said, the, the outside of Maria and Nagi not looking their ages, the art for me was fine. And that's more character design than explicit art anyway. I could always tell characters apart, which is a yeah, a point in its favor. Like the, every character was still unique enough that I never got anyone confused, apart from the characters that you're not supposed to give a shit about, like the random side employees and stuff, like maids and what have you. Apart from those who you're not really supposed to be able to tell the difference between, because it doesn't matter. I could always tell characters apart, like when the second uh, child turns up. Who's the one that she had to, yeah, to the, uh, the comedy obsessed one? <laughs> yes. Sakia. That's it. Sakia. Yeah. Yeah. Who I didn't find ironically didn't find anything that she did funny. She's she's going after a very Japanese style of comedy troupe, which yeah. is, if you've not seen that, very weird from our perspective. Yeah. I like Japanese comedy most of the time. Like every time I see something that is funny in japan if it's objectively funny then yeah i'm down it's a very regional type of comedy as well i believe yeah, yeah it's it's, it's less like watching say takeshi's castle and laughing at that it's more this is like their equivalent of stand-up as it were sure uh but yeah i could tell that it was a new character and even though they introduced themselves kind of like you're supposed to know who they are i got that was the joke and i i kind of got what they were going for and i could always tell the unique characters apart. And that's an important factor, because even though I didn't like the art, I still got it. Like, I got where they were coming from. That character in particular, oof, complete, complete swing and a miss with me. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. mostly forgot they existed until you just mentioned them. I mean, she is in the background a lot of these chapters we read. Like, she's there with the, when they visit the grandparents. She's in that one. Yep. Yeah. And yet barely memorable she's essentially just like i mean if nagi doesn't want the inheritance you know you could just give it to me it's a new year's yeah. gift yep again like it's one of those characters i just i don't see the point of her being there maybe she has some significance later but she's just at this point an extra extra mouth to feed almost it's more there's just there's a large a large-ish rotating cast of characters in hayate and they pretty much just spin the dartboard and go this chapter's about that one <laughs> they very much <laughs> yeah. do that yeah <laughs> It's literally that joke from Robot Chicken where they have the dartboard and go, in this episode, you three are Siluxes? I have no no idea what you're talking about. The Star Trek or Star something term where they're a fake, a replicant. Oh, Cylons, I'm guessing. Cylons, there you go. It's like, in this episode, those ones are Cylons. Battlestar Galactica for the record. Ah, okay. Thank you. And yeah, the trope there is uh, they are secretly... Inv- and a secretly invasive species, and it is essentially random which one of them turns out to be a Cylon. With like, there's never any setup. 
and they always after the fact say oh by the way this person was a cylon like there's no setup for that <laughs> and yeah, no, they're just a cylon deal with it so that does very much feel like what they're doing in this as well it is purely random today we're going to throw together these five keywords with these three characters what did we get yeah that that is largely what it is also hiate may or may not get hit by a car how does so many of the manga we read involve vehicular manslaughter? Because it's well, hilarious. Well, I mean, to be fair, two of them are by the same guy. Sure, that did happen. Yep. I mean that—that's reason number one to start with. <laughs> Just saying, a surprising percentage of the stuff we've read at this uh, point. Another one was an isekai, and it's a very common way of isekaiing people. <laughs> I kind of love that. Don't be wrong. I, I hate the troll. And I hate most isekai, but I kind of love that it is a trope to isekai someone with a car. There, the tangent here. There is a like web comic, not not really a web comic, Twitter comic or something. Um, someone did or is doing at some point, like kind of manga esque, where it is like it's like isekai transports or something. It's basically a guy drives around with a truck, and it's like. He, gets requests from other worlds like no no we need the legendary hero and it's like all right find out the candidates got to set up the the perfect situation where i can air quote accidentally hit them <laughs> with the truck so they get isekai to wherever they need to go kind of thing and it's like oh i'm sure i promoted something like that on the twitter at some point where it was something about truck driver isekai manga oh yeah it's it's at the point now where it's a well-known trope so much that people are now using that as a plot. I mean, extending yeah. the tangent a bit, how many of these isekai drivers, how many of them face any consequences for this? I mean, why would you ever know? You, you wouldn't there, know, yeah. We go to the new world, Mike. Like, don't have time for that. Is it just secretly behind the scenes a spate of court cases of people being sent to prison I mean, prison there's no for... evidence. Well, They're yeah, in another world now, yeah, they so hit they people, can't say no. They hit people so hard that they disintegrate. <laughs> uh, like, oh. The perfect yeah. crime. This does kind of mean that one day we'll have to review my favourite isekai of Gantz. <laughs> it kind of works. I'm sure. It's not quite an isekai. Like. <laughs> not quite. It's a fundamental difference. <laughs> Oh, yep. dear. <laughs> Speaking right. of fundamental differences, what do we think of this manga? I was going to say, does anyone else have anything they want to say about Hayate before we are? I think I've said everything I want to say. Uh, to say any more, I guess it would only be spoilers at this point, just for how weird and random the thing can get. Because I guess part of the, fu part of the funny of this is not knowing what's going to happen next, like literally having no basis for figuring out what's going to happen next. I never thought that a person wearing a cashmere coat would turn into gang warfare. <clears throat> like, you have no concept of figuring it out. And I guess talking too much more about the plot would kind of ruin that a bit. That's fair. So, I mean, with that being said then, seeing as you have no idea what the future entails for Hayati, Mike, would you read slash buy more of this? God, no. <laughs> like, I found it funny. I found it a romp, I guess you could call it. But I found it so hard to read. Like, reading this thing would be a full-time job for me. 
because it was just so thick and fast and combine that with my dislike for the art i just i and especially if it's gone on for 500 ish chapters i I can't i can't do that i can't be committing that amount of my life to this (laughs) like it's funny and i guess i recommend people read parts of it but i've read enough i think yeah, that's that's kind of similar to where I stand. So I've read the first two volumes of this, as in uh, before I've owned them, and I've seen the first anime series. And I feel in seeing that first anime series, I've seen almost all permutations of what this has to offer. I think there's based off when I did the first episode of everything and saw like the first episode of Cuties. I think is the fourth season that there are maybe one or two more characters down the line I didn't have haven't met in the first oh, season. Oh. You, you sweet summer child. There's yeah, like, like there's, there's Aitan and some others. Oh, great. Okay. Oh, man, this turned to a harem manga. Very, very loosely. <laughs> I, th- I feel like everything's loose with this manga. <laughs> Fast and loose. Yes. But uh, yeah, I feel like I've, by watching that first season of the anime, I've pretty much had the Hayati experience. I don't need to buy 50 more volumes because essentially it's just going to be what I've already seen. So. Except for the plot. Sure, there's plot. I I believe you. I when struggle. I, see it. I mean, you'll get your chance to say your bit in a minute, Phil. But I struggle to see how the plot could possibly be worth the investment of reading a whole bunch. Like, and short of you going, you need to buy these five volumes if you want to care about the plot and how it ends. I don't feel there's really any need to continue with this. I don't. I don't think it could pay off the minimal amount of plot it has in a satisfying way completely agree with you but uh phil so here we go so normally i'd be like would you read more would you buy more except so in phil's case phil has read all of it and phil already owns half of it so i guess the question the question in this case phil is more are you going to buy continue to buy the rest of it because obviously it's not all out yet and I suppose more than anything, would you would you recommend this as something people should get invested in? <sighs> that that's a question. Yes, that's why I'm asking you. It. I I like Hayate. Like I I don't mind. I I discussed this a bit on Fly Me to the Moon. I don't mind general sort of slice of life, sort of very loose plot here and there. The problem with Hayate was the sheer stretches of time you would go without any semblance of the actual plot. Like, we're talking literal years. Sure. Like, I, off the top of my, bear in mind, I've not read this in a long time. Since it ended, I'm going to... But yeah, yes, it has ended. Uh, but um, the point is, I've not reread it in a long time. Off the top of my head, you have sort of all this stuff here. Then the sort of like, oh, they, they go to school, you get some setup with new characters there, and then it's basically no real plot until about where I've bought up to, which was like volume 26 or something, something like that. You have like a couple of volumes where it's like, oh, here's some plot, and it's it's really good plot, and it was great, and then you get another two years of nothing, and it's like, but but I like that plot. Can can have more of that, please. And then you have like two years of nothing, and then a little bit more plot, and then two years of nothing, and a little more plot. And the plot itself, great, I like it. Maybe nothing groundbreaking by any means, but it was definitely interesting enough. 
where it, it is one of those things where if it wasn't for the fact it would bother me I didn't have to complete the series, I would actually sort of, as you were saying, pick out the ones which are the plot and buy just them. Because that list would be a lot shorter. Obviously. Would I buy it all? Considering actually we looked this up just before we started recording and discovered I'm probably only like five volumes off owning all the stuff that's currently available anyway. Maybe. I don't know. Problem is it's getting into the worst part of it for me because it does have a big arc at the end which is not really plot in any way. Not main plot anyway. It has its own little plot arc but it everyone was just like no please just stop and it didn't Are you telling me there's a filler arc at the end of this <laughs> I, I feel like if the fans are telling you to stop <laughs> the problem is you can't call it a filler arc because of the nature of the manga it, it was just basically he went i'm gonna do like a continuous story for a bit which is nothing to do with the main plot but rather than doing the episodic kind of stuff we've just been reading about, it was just like, I'm going to have a bit of a plot arc for a year or whatever. What, however long it was, and it was just like, no, please. Just, but we're, we're over this. <laughs> it's dragging on. Just go back to the regular slice of life crap or something. Or It's never a good sign when the fans are telling you to stop. <laughs> I I don't know what the reception was in Japan. Maybe Japan liked it a lot more. I don't know. But the the thing was, it it ended not long after that, from what I remember. Like after that, it was basically like, cool. There's like two, three volumes left, and it basically wraps everything up in that point. Because yeah, the the plot isn't extravagant. It's relatively short. He says. Relatively short, 500 chapters later. Yeah, the point is when you just abridge it down to the plot, mm. it's you, you're easily cutting the volume countdown. It's like, it's like when you go, I'm just going to watch the episodes of One Piece that matter, and then there's only 10, and you're done. <laughs> it's like uh, I believe that's, you exactly, don't watch... that's exactly what uh, Phil's doing with Naruto right now. I, I, I was believe. about to say, it, it's like when you go to watch Naruto and go, oh man, I can cut out like 300 episodes. I mean, if you do that, how long would you reckon it would take to read? To read Hayate. Hayate, yeah. Uh, it's been a long time since I read it. I couldn't say for definite, but like I say, I, I think you could cut it down to about 10, maybe 15 volumes. Right. That's, uh, that's a bit less. It is, yes. But, but part of the appeal of Hayate was... I'm, I'm going to say Slice of Life, because I don't know what else you would call it at that point. Just the very weird of, life, yo. Yeah, the the day to day comedy. No, no, I I get it. I mean, heck, we've talked for like an hour or so, and a lot of that is a lot of the chapters we've read in this are just shenanigans. Yeah, essentially. Yep. And even when Mike's been lamenting it, he has been like enjoying some of it along the yeah. way. So it's believable that if you bought them all, there's probably a bunch of hits throughout the time. Yeah, and, like, and in isolation, every joke is actually funny. It's when you just put them all together, it becomes tiring. <laughs> Mm. That's why. That's why it's only one volume every six months. It lets people recover. <laughs> I I don't know why it's slow to like glacial pace. As I say, I've not bought a volume in. I don't get why they do that because I know when when Bleach finished in Japan, they kind of 
picked up the pace with it and it just went right one every two months until it's done. Well, most so I don't get why this is so slow. Most like weekly shonen stuff is normally every three months, I believe. Usually, yeah, the standard release schedule is once every three months if it's licensed. Because that's sort of roughly how often the volumes come out in Japan, I believe. Obviously, I think it's a bit offset for the English release, but yeah. You're looking at about every three months for an ongoing series. So why this, as a completed series, is slow to two volumes a year at a glance? I I can only assume it's just not selling very well, which doesn't surprise me, actually. Yeah, it feels like at that point it, you would just be releasing it as a commitment rather than because yeah. people are chomping at the bit to get it. Yeah, I I think that's what happened. I think people are investing, sort of like me, to be perfectly honest. You invest in the early stuff; they they like it enough to keep going for a bit, but then it's just. And I've I've mentioned this in previous episodes. It just goes on too long, and that that was sort of my issue with like flying me to the moon over if I wanted to buy it or not. Is like you can't tell how long it's going to be running for. You don't know what kind of commitment you're getting into. Yeah, this series is the reason why in a lot of past episodes your recommendation has been I probably wouldn't buy it if it goes on for like 50 volumes. Yeah, wait till it's finished maybe. This this is the exact series that has put me in that mindset because it is, as we said, 50 volumes. I like Hayate. Hmm. 50 volumes is an investment and I don't really feel justified in buying 50 volumes of it because that's a lot of money and in the nicest way as I said, you could cut out a good three quarters of it, probably, and still get all the plot. And then you could just pick up whatever volumes you wanted in the meantime, I guess. But Heyate is the reason we can't have nice things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's the reason why, as Sean said, like a lot of times if I can't if I'm reading something and I don't know what the end game is, so to speak, or how far off it is, I am very wary about buying something because I don't want to be starting to buy something and stopping. I yeah. dislike that. But I don't want to be committing myself to 50 volumes of something. Totally fair. Yeah, completely. Completely agree. Like, Bleach is the only long-running series I've committed and bought all the way through. I mean, uh, Shonen series like that, and I suppose this thing... Uh, well, Bleach goes above and beyond like a lot of them. <laughs> Yeah, like as well the megas. Yeah, this thing, those those kind of series you expect to run for a while, like Naruto, Bleach, One Piece. You you know after a few volumes they are they are in for the long run. And anyone who has committed to buying all almost at this point a hundred volumes, a thousand chapters of One Piece, like I salute you. Isn't it ongoing? Yes, oh, One Piece is still going. Like as yeah. it's closing in on one thousand. If believe it's early next year, it'll hit a thousand. I think. God, why would you do that to yourself? Why would you do that to your bank account? Because you've been reading it for 20 years and you like it, I don't know. <laughs> Actually, no, the One Piece release schedule was funny because I think about 10, 10 years ago or so, they went, we're like 40 volumes behind Japan, so they were literally releasing like five a month for half a year <laughs> okay, to then. catch up. And it was like, Jesus Christ. Uh, another <laughs> thing to uh, bear in mind here is uh, in Japan, manga is actually a lot cheaper. Sure. Yes, a lot cheaper. Yeah, it, it's seen as a it's a luxury here, but it's uh, uh, not quite so niche there. So they can they can get away with. It's a lot up. more common, like yeah, in the same way that 
a lot of it's presumed a lot of kids read comics of some kind, not necessarily Marvel, DC, but or they've read comics of some kind. In Japan, it's generally assumed if you're a kid, you probably. I think it's also just down to the production costs because um, yeah, I don't know if either of you actually own any Japanese manga, but they are a lot smaller than the Western counterparts. I mean, like dimensions wise, D- dimension wise, thick. I own one Bleach fan book thing that you can't buy or was never translated over here. So I own one Japanese volume of Dragon Ball. <laughs> Dragon Ball's a bit of a weird one, actually, because I do own that as well, because that's actually still quite big. But, um, for example, I've got the first volume of the original run of Yu-Gi-Oh! in Japanese. My brother got it me when he went to Japan. Uh, well, he got me that and Dragon Ball. He got me one of each. And I actually own the original run of Yu-Gi-Oh! And you could hold them side by side, and it's just such a difference in size and thickness and paper quality and everything that I can only assume the reason it costs so much over here is just production cost for a lot of it. Yeah, because they also have to translate it as well, if it's officially licensed. You've got the overheads for that sort of stuff, but I think just general production in terms of like the manufacturing, the materials, effectively, is just a lot more over here. And it is a niche product still in this country. Yeah, yeah, it is. And there'll be obviously licensing costs in that as well, which yeah. wouldn't apply in Japan. Yeah, there is that as well. So, takeaway from this whole tangent is Heate is an investment, and if you're willing to make that investment, Phil recommends it. <laughs> yes. Uh, I would also say, if it's something you enjoy, maybe consider sort of, and you're not a completionist like myself, maybe do sort of, as Sean was suggesting, maybe look up the key volumes and just get those ones. Look at the key volumes. Or maybe just, as I mentioned, watch the anime and try before you buy, as it were. Or hell, yeah. if the comedy style sounds good to you, pick up any random volume, any single one, and you'll have about as much plot consistency as any other. I mean, what if they pick one of the ones that is the actual plot, Mike? <laughs> That's the risk you take. <laughs> I mean, what are the odds you pick up like one of the five actual plot volumes? I'll start at the end. 52. Five, five plot volumes out of how many volumes was it? 50. Like 50 I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating. As I said, I don't actually know. But... From, from what Phil said, it sounded like a quarter. Yeah, so like, I don't know, a 10, chance. 10 to 25% chance? I'll take those odds. <laughs> uh... There you go, then. You hear it here first. Mike's going to buy a volume of theater. <laughs> I never said any such thing. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's funny. You should mention Yu-Gi-Oh! Phil. Oh, because... that, Sean? Ah, oh, thanks, thanks. So, normally this would be we'd give our plugs, and then Phil would give a little tease, and then we'd bid you adieu for 2020. But no, this is the year that keeps on giving. And as such, we are going to give you a Christmas bonus, a Christmas gift, as it were. We are going to spend some time, instead of delving just into yet more trash manga, we thought or rather I thought it would be nice if we talked for a little bit about manga. We do think you should actually check out manga. We do think it's worth buying, reading, and getting invested in. So that maybe if you've got a huge amount of time to kill this Christmas period because, I don't know, say you're locked indoors because of a pandemic, just just throwing that one out there. Seems very unlikely. I know, it's crazy. But on the off chance, your Christmas period, you're kind of stuck. And maybe you want to check out some manga for yourself. And you're like, but all they talk about is trash. What about something good? 
well, we, we're here to help you then. So we've each picked three different mangas that we feel are worth checking out. And these are all officially licensed, all available in English. You can go buy them all off Amazon. You can probably read some of them on Crunchyroll or other various um, online manga services, depending on the ones we've picked. But uh, I'll throw to you first, Phil, though, because as I've already given the game away, the original Yu-Gi-Oh! is something you're quite passionate about. So, uh... Yeah, so my first pick was the original Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, it was about seven volumes, and if you've seen the anime, this is nothing like it whatsoever, because it involves very little card games, and it involves lots of other games. How many motorcycles? Uh, non... There's got to be at least one in there. There's probably at least one. I don't, Just a I don't cheeky know. little motorcycle. Um, but it follows the James Central plot. You've got the same cast. Uh, you still have Yugi's uh, our wild-haired protagonist who has completed this impossible puzzle which has the spirit of an ancient Egyptian pharaoh in it, which makes him the king of the shadow games. And each chapter, he's dealing with another undesirable person by challenging them to a shadow game which normally results in that person's life being destroyed in some way such as uh, making it so they only see in pixels or uh, making someone's face fall off because they are a two-faced bitch and uh, he straight up immolates a guy in one volume actually rather dark yeah it's pretty dark yep Pretty dark, yeah. and it's it's great because it's not focused on the card game. It does have some of that because you still have Kai, but does make his appearance in there. Um, and he in all his green haired glory. Not that you can see that in the manga. Not that you can uh, see that. And actually, one one of my favorite things from it is the fact that there's just a whole volume where after the first interaction with Kai, Kai apparently is so determined to get revenge, he goes off and builds a theme park with a secret hidden half to it designed to kill yugi you know as you do as you do again as the mega rich you know i i still to this day because i've read a few volumes of that i still to this day don't get how that transitioned into happy fun card game uh, yeah it, it's a weird transition but yeah so original Yu-Gi-Oh, no subtitle just Yu-Gi-Oh. seven volumes good stuff yeah i believe that is because I can't remember exactly how they sell the Yu-Gi-Oh! manga these days. I believe it is just Yu-Gi-Oh! Volumes 1 to 7. Yeah. If there is a volume 8, that's where the card games start. Uh, I think the card games, it becomes Yu-Gi-Oh! with the subtitle of Duelist or something like that. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? I think it's Dual Monsters or something like that. Yeah, yeah it, it has a subtitle. I couldn't remember if they restarted the numbering or not. But I think they did, but yeah. First seven volumes. Good stuff. Yeah. No, that's that's absolutely fair. Uh, Mike, do you want to go next, or shall I? Oh, sure, I'll do it. Uh, hey. Mostly because my first one will surprise no one. It's a thing I've mentioned several times. Uh, is Helsing? Uh, Helsing is the story of a a uh, CD organization within the UK military called the Helsing Organization, fronted by some mysterious, seemingly connected to royalty characters and primarily focused around the hilarious misadventures of a, a very dark and very psychotic uh, vampire character known as Alucard, which the uh, adept among you may be able to figure out where, uh, where that one's going. 
Uh, it's all about how the uh, Helsing organization is trying to stem the flow of unholy beasts and creatures uh, around the entirety of the UK. And eventually, uh, Nazis just eventually Nazis show up, and but not just Nazis, vampire Nazis. So they're at least doubly evil. And the whole thing is drawn amazingly. It's got such an amazing imagination behind it. It's all very dark. Uh, it's very gruesome as well at times. And not only that, but it's weirdly believable until the point where it kind of goes off the rails a bit towards the end. It is one of the first manga I ever read all the way through and it didn't mess me up at all and <laughs> it's very very this uh, is why you like gothic horror <laughs> it's very dark um the art style itself is also very very unique uh it's sometimes it's a little difficult to look at and i can say that as someone who constantly complains about that and so it's not perfect but it is really really well made well put together and it's also weirdly fun as well. You constantly get the feeling emanating from the story that the main character, uh, Alucard, is having fun. And that's the important thing. It's violent and it's gross, but it's fun. And that's what kept me coming back to it. Even when it gets weird, it's still fun. And if that's the kind of thing you're on board for, I can thoroughly recommend Helsing. I mean, this is the... This is the series that uh, Team Four Star made. A uh, the people who make Dragon Ball Z abridged, they made an abridged version of it. And right near the beginning of that, they make the joke of um, "Knock knock, who's there? A real, fu- real fucking vampire?" Because <laughs> yeah, he is. And it's it, it's it's a far shot from Twilight inspired. It's it's nowhere near that. It's imagine the exact opposite. It is truly what you would imagine to a Japanese take on gothic horror vampire fiction. And it's truly worth a read, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, from, the, from the brief, I've seen the Helsing Bridge series and I really do like it. So it should be something I check out one day. But yeah, the Helsing Bridge series, I mean, in true abridging style format, it really is an accurate telling of the story, just a slightly comedicized version of it like they they funnied it up a bit for the sake of you know extra comedy and it's not like the original manga is super serious all the time but it's it's truly accurate to it so if you've seen the helsing bridge series and you like that you'll probably like the manga as well and of course there is an there's a couple of anime adaptations of it one of which did an original ending and one which actually followed the plot uh i do recommend the original uh the original TV series, though, because it's very stupid at the end, as is most original anime endings. But manga, definite read for me. Yeah, that's a good shout. Uh, so my first pick, I uh, chose the Shonen series Soul Eater. So Soul Eater revolves in a world where various students at Deaf Academy are partnered with various um, weapons, Deaf Sives in training, essentially. And in order to make them into the perfect kind of death weapon that the Grim Reaper himself will use, they need to get the souls of 99 bad eggs, as it were, humans who have strayed from the path, and then one witch's soul. The, one of the big reasons I love this is the lead character of this, Mako Alban, is one of the very few female leads in Shonen. It's something you pretty much never see, and 
she she's never made to be a joke or anything. She is always the main big lead. But in addition to that, you also have a great supporting cast who are kind of made out to be her equal in many ways. It's not a case of a shonen where there's a lead cast, but there's only one that really matters. To the point of which, where in the first volume, each of the lead kind of groups, so Maka and her weapon, Soul, um, Blackstar and his weapon, Sabaki, and then Death the Kid, yep, the Grim Reaper's uh, grandchild, I believe it is, is in this as well, and his weapons, Lizzie and Patty. And they each get a chapter, so they each essentially, whereas in a lot of manga, you have like the initial one-shot chapter prettied up. In this one, each of them have their own individual chapter where they get to define themselves before it gets delving into the plot. And as I say, I love it because of the cast character. So beyond them, there's also a great support cast and villain cast. There's Cronus, uh, probably the most infinite, who is kind of an androgynous character, very much kind of manipulated by the villain since birth. So has a lot of conflicting emotions and her kind of story goes from good to bad to good to bad throughout the story. She kind of meets the different, meets Maka and is influenced by her witch master Medusa and other things like that. I love the art. I love the combat. There's a particularly met, there's a memorable scene where Maka essentially goes to the dark side and goes absolutely insane and has like full Joker grin face mask on it. And I, I adore that. I like it because the writing actually progresses. This isn't a shonen where the end, the, like the manga ends and he's a death scythe. That happens about halfway through that Soul, Soul the Maka's weapon, becomes an actual death scythe and then continues from there as they continue to work to fight the witches so yeah i i really enjoy it i love the arcs uh, i fell in love with it originally because the 50 episode anime series that aired about a decade ago now is just really good stuff it's probably my it's my favorite shonen anime it's not my favorite shonen manga but it's definitely my favorite shonen anime and i do highly recommend it it's finished now uh, at 25 volumes so it's it's not an inconsiderable investment but it is a shonen that is done and it's not going to go for another 50 bajillion volumes so uh, i i highly recommend it and i know the people i've met who've checked out so are big fans of it as well so uh it's my it's my go-to shonen recommendation yeah cool i will i will just say because i forgot to mention it uh helsing has 10 volumes uh you guys said how long your ones were so there were seven for Yu Gi Oh and 10 for uh helsing which it's itself in closed story and has never really had any any smell of a sequel or anything so that's yeah just thought that was important to point out that's fair but uh that's that's our first picks phil what's uh what's your second choice sure so i've tried to pick quite different things for all three of mine so we have a bit of a range so for my second one it is a somewhat well-known uh shoujo series called kimi ni Tadoke, uh or from me to you it is a slice of life romance drama kind of series um and it follows uh the main character sawako who due to her appearance of like jet black hair and sort of due to her social ineptness sort of tends to come across as a bit sinister and gloomy she has the nickname uh sadako after uh, the main character from the ring i believe it is uh, yep. some some japanese based horror film yeah yeah that's that's correct um and she ends up befriending the super cheerful happy mega popular guy and it's all about um their relationship and her 
befriending other people and their relationships and so on and so forth. And it's just a good romance story. Uh, it is award-winning. And it ran for about 30 volumes, so it is finished. So it is a bit on the longer end of stuff we're recommending. But if you like your romance stories and or you like shoujo manga in particular, then I would definitely recommend this because it's just good stuff. Yeah, definitely a, definitely a good shout and one of the big names in the shoujo scene. Uh, Mike, what is your... What's your second pick? Have you gone lovey-dovey for number two? Oh my, no. <laughs> so this next one I'm going to recommend is cheating a little bit because technically speaking, this is a, it is a manga, but it is a mangaized version of an anime because the anime came first, except it didn't come first because it's an anime version of a video game. Uh, that is my favorite Dark. anime. <laughs> it's not Dot Hack. Uh, I've never actually read Dot Hack because that's an investment. But I, uh, the one I'm going to recommend is my favorite anime of all time, uh, which again it counts because it has a manga version which you can buy and it's licensed. Where you're selling this, I'm getting <laughs> the feeling the manga version is just screenshots of the anime. I really hope it's not. <laughs> I think I don't think it is, <laughs> but it's gone. But you've read it because you're recommending it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, it's Gungrave. Gungrave is the story which starts very abruptly about uh, two characters you know nothing about being chased down by a series of monsters and being, uh, being threatened at all times and desperately trying to get this weird, stoic and somewhat seemingly unconscious person to help them that they've got just sitting in their van. You're left completely lost as to who the hell this person is just by only knowing that he's called Beyond the Grave. That's actually his name. It's a bit weird. But then after that episode ends with a dramatic finish, you're suddenly thrown into a completely different world where, where suddenly you're just facing with these two, two characters and this group of friends who are living in some slums in a heavily fictionized, fictionalized version of a seemingly some post-apocalyptic but rebuilt world where they are determined to, not only do they live day to day, but they, they live trying to farm any kind of scraps they can from society, steal and cheat and do whatever they can to get by. Uh, but they've managed to form their own little family, which is kind of like a pseudo gang because they even have uh, little turf disputes and uh, in a kind of childish way, but you know, serious people do seriously get hurt. And this develops into one of the one of the main characters saying, "I'm going all the way to the top. I'm going to become from where I am now. I'm going to become the leader of this uh, major criminal world organization, which is bigger than all the law uh, and bigger than everyone. It's like a, a it's essentially a, a mafia corporation, and he wants to become the best in it." And the closest thing you get to a main character in this is such good friends with him that he says, I'm going to be there with you and I'm going to support you all the way to the top. Uh, it, is a, it is not a sweet manga. It is not nice. It is harsh and it is gritty all the way through. You are made to question morality on a frequent basis and it is throws a lot of very complex ideas at you along the way 
while the meteoric rise from this character happens, uh, a lot of other strange science fiction elements start to get injected in along the way until eventually this weird mystery that you've been given in the first chapter is suddenly very slowly explained to you over the course of the entire self-contained uh, self-contained story where it goes from two kids trying to get by to this strange post-apocalyptic world of uh, these monsters attacking people and figuring out how that became that and you see every step of the way it's an incredibly well-structured story and it is one that i would thoroughly recommend yeah good good shout i must admit it's the first time i've heard anyone champion the manga version i know a lot of people love the anime but uh if it's as good as the anime is regularly touted out to be i'm sure the manga is just as good yeah it's also because it doesn't have any um it doesn't it doesn't have any filler because it's completely self-contained it has no time for filler it spends all of that time on character development making you feel a panoply of emotions for the various characters how many volumes did you say it was? Unsure how many volumes exactly. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm unsure about that. Uh, I can try and find out if you give me a moment. Why is the first thing I've got found like Gungrave anime manga? That doesn't answer my question. <laughs> yeah, like it's very clear the the, the anime definitely came first. A manga did. I think there might only be two uh, two volumes, maybe three. I'm unsure, but it is actually is a self contained story and it is fairly short. So it, while I don't know the exact number of it, it is definitely worth an investment. No, that's, uh, that's fair. I, uh, I lent on the more Phil side of the spectrum for the second choice. So I did, uh, I kind of, I, when I was picking mine, I went for a shoujo, a shodin, a shoujo, and a sinen. So my shoujo choice is one I actually talked about uh, in the last episode, Apothecary Diaries, because of the similarities it had. Snow White with the red hair, or Akagame no Shiryukihime to use its Japanese name. So the reason I kind of love this is I feel a lot of uh, shoujos often fall into kind of the trap of it's a lot more and oh, he's so handsome and pretty and dreamy and like that's, if you're into that, more kind of that fantasy kind of like idealization of people, sure, by all means. That's not for me. I'd rather, as I've probably made it evident for my choice of Soul Eater and then my choice of this, I prefer series where the females are have more agency, so to speak. And that's kind of why I always, that's kind of why I fell in love with Snow with the Red Hair when I first watched the anime back in 2016, I think it was when it aired. So, if, so the story essentially is Shiryuki is a red haired herbalist who, when in her kingdom one day, is essentially approached by one of the uh, prince's guards saying, The prince has chosen you to be his next concubine. So uh, pack your bags, because tomorrow you'll be going to the palace. And rather than spend her life as just one person in the prince's harem of her kingdom, she instead uh, cuts off a lock of her hair. So the prince has some of her famous red hair to remember her by, because that was the reason why he chose her to be a concubine in the first place, and flees off to the neighboring kingdom. And along the way, bumps into and is helped by uh, another lovely little guy who's athletic and such and we learn is the prince of that kingdom the second prince of that kingdom prince zen and so kind of begins their story together where they both bring out the best of each other because shiryuki isn't just there to be a damsel in distress she is smart she has agency she picks up on the poison that 
has been put in like the apple that she has been given at the time. She uh, essentially then goes to enroll at the palace and becomes a herbalist, helping out everyone else. She inspires Zen. Zen inspires her. I, as I say, I I love that because that's kind of the characters I'm drawn to. Like it's a very motivational, wholesome thing that focuses on the characters being the best they can be and bringing out the best of each other rather than just romantic hijinks, so to speak. And it's a story kind of like that there are equals, except because of the obvious class differences. How can Zen ever be with Shiryuki? Because one's a prince and one is just a person off the street, essentially. So yeah, it's it's one I really haven't been enjoying. It's what I'm currently reading and catching up with. There are nine volumes currently out in English, although it's ongoing in Japanese, so I couldn't give you an accurate figure of how long it's going to go on for. I can't see it going for longer than, say, Kimi Nitadoke did at 30 volumes, but time will tell. But that's if, if you're after a romance that's less more cutesy-cutesy and more about characters being inspirational to each other and falling for each other that way, it's, it's one I've always recommended. And if, you, if you're kind of like a try-before-you-reads kind of person, then there are two series of the anime, 12 episodes each, that you can check out that will give you a pretty good idea of what it's all about. So that's, that's my second pick. Phil, time for you to uh, give us your third and final choice. What was your last pick for a manga you recommend? My last pick was Witch Hat Atelier, um, which is a fantasy manga in the sign-in demographic. Um, it is about a young girl called Coco who has always dreamed about being a witch. Um, when she went to a festival in the capital, she was given a book which talked about magic and lit her steps up as she went home kind of thing. But unfortunately, um, unless you are born a witch, you are not allowed to become a witch due to the secretive nature of their magic. This is sounding awfully like little witch academia but carry on <laughs> however um one day a witch ends up visiting her village and she ends up sneaking a look at him while he is performing the magic and she discovers the secret and decides to try and do some of the magic she learned from this book causing a bit of an incident uh, and as such she is whisked away by this witch to learn all about magic so she can try and undo the destruction, the uh, tragedies she has caused. And uh, at the same time, she seems to be getting pulled into a faction war of sorts between the brim hats and the pointy hat witches, as they put it, uh, where one believes that there are certain laws and certain kinds of magics that shouldn't be used, while the others believe magic is free and should be used for whatever you want to, um, no matter the cost or the implication. And it's about her learning all about this new world and friends she's making along the way. And it's um, quite well drawn. It's uh, won awards for its writing. And uh, it's generally good quality print as well. Um, I've got the first five volumes myself i believe at the time recording six is out with seven out in like three days if you're listening to this the day it comes out and it is generally a really well written story uh, so if you if you enjoy fantasy and magic and that sort of thing i would definitely recommend it 
Yes, if I remember correctly, it wasn't just like any old award as well, I believe, which Alia was. I, I can't remember if it won it or not, but I know it was Eisner nominated, which is essentially the highest accolade. I've got it here. It was the winner of the 2020 Eisner Award for the best US edition of International Material Asia. It was yeah. also winner of the best manga award at the 2020 Harvey Awards. Yeah, that sounds cool. Eisners are essentially the top tier, at least in the Western comic sphere, the top tier awards. So that's a, a real big get for it to have won that. So yeah, it's, a, it's something I do want to check out as well at some point, I would say. So. I would say as well, it is still ongoing. No real indication of how long it's going on for, but obviously, unlike Hayate, as we've discussed today, this is generally nothing but plot. I was going to say, and you've bought it, so clearly I have nothing it. like Hayate. Uh, mm. <laughs> well, you were willing to invest so. yeah but I was also willing to invest in Hayate I, shh, don't, don't undermine the point <laughs> <laughs> all I'm saying is when it gets to volume 50 I'm going to have regrets <laughs> well, well we'll deal with that in five years time when we're still going and we're all in our old age but uh, Mike what is your, what's your third and final pick for a manga that people should buy Third and final pick is something a lot nicer, I guess. Uh, it's also something which I feel like isn't as well known, but um, some people probably will have heard about it. It is uh, Dungeon Meishi, also the English title is uh, Delicious in Dungeon. It is about a, a group, well, at some point a cave opened up from beneath the earth and someone crawled out of it and said... If you can fight down to the bottom level of this dungeon, then you'll have the king's reward or something to that effect. And then just immediately dies, which um, sparks a lot of interest. Uh, and people go down into the cave and they find out that it's actually a full-on JRPG-style dungeon down there with all your traditional uh, monsters and things you'd, which wouldn't be out of place in a and d game. So people start to gear up in much in an RPG fashion to go down and do expeditions into it. And as a result, a whole community springs up around the entrance to this place. However, to go deeper and deeper and deeper, people can't just carry things along with them. They need supplies as they go. And, you know, buying supplies is expensive. So what's the, what is one to do? Well, of course, they are to start to cook and eat the things that they find in the dungeon. It's a very interesting take on something which is a little more um, niche. And it's, it's a surprisingly well-humoured as well. You wouldn't think that a cooking manga would be anything to, anything to look at, but it is actually very, very fun. It's very well-drawn, and there's enough there for you to feel like this is a really nice, pleasant romp through something which is actually considered to be quite serious in... Uh, in story uh there's of course all of the fantasy tropes that you'll be expecting and if you're one of the uh let's say uh intelligent and uh very attractive people that are into D&D then you will not be disappointed by this because really who hasn't while playing D&D thought hmm i wonder what that thing will taste like after i kill it i think you in fact did exactly that in one of our D&D games mike almost certainly yes entirely possibly uh, inspired by this. Uh, one thing I would say as well is, while obviously one of the big things is about 
because I've I've read this as well. Um, mm -hmm. You're saying obviously it's about how they're eating the things they find in the dungeon. Mm -hmm. That is a little secondary in some ways. Like it is definitely one of the big themes that runs throughout it. Like every yeah. chapter pretty much has, oh, we're going to eat this thing this week, but that's normally a fairly small part of the chapter. Yeah, it, there is a lot of character development and actual plot development as well. Uh, the thing goes on for, I believe it's 10 volumes at this point. Uh, so it's not short, but it is well worth the read because it does go places. Uh, I have not finished reading it myself at this point. I've only read about halfway, but I'm going to read more as soon as I get the opportunity to because it is very fun. It's very lighthearted as well. It could go very dark and serious, but it, it point blank refuses to. It keeps everything light and you just sort of wonder where things are going to go next. And it's, it's, very, it's a very pleasing to the eyes thing as well. Like the art is great. The comedy in it is great because there's a fair amount of that. And it's just a very happy read, which is a stark contrast to everything else I've recommended today. So it seems kind of necessary. <laughs> As I say, you've, you've sold me on that a lot more considering you started that pitch. In my head, I was like, ah, it's, it's sort of online, but they're going down, not up. Not <laughs> no, no, not at all. No. <laughs> Nothing like that. Absolutely. I will say not, not an isekai. No. And it is very much... I, I will still say that Sword Art Online has good points, uh, but it is fundamentally flawed. I don't think this is fundamentally flawed in any way. It is very fun to read throughout like i don't think that i don't think they ever take a misstep in the writing at all at least in what i've read so far so yeah could thoroughly recommend that's fair this is another one i'm i'm the one who hasn't read it but it's definitely one i've heard positive things from from everyone who has read it mm -hmm. so definitely worth your checking out uh so my last one uh apparently i've taken over from mike here and picking the slightly darker one for this time mm -hmm. so i've already done my shonen and my shoujo so that leaves my sign in choice and i have picked the all you need is kill. Now, this is very short. This is two volumes, which are sold essentially as one release over here, like a two-in-one. So you can get the whole thing for like 10, 15 quid at most. So it, you don't have to worry about this. Unlike my other choices, this one is nice and short and compact. Uh, so the story of All You Need Is Kill is it's set in like a future version of Earth where a strange creature race known as the Mimics, which kind of like... They're, weirdly enough, they're called mimics. They're not really a mimic-style race. They're essentially giant spheres with legs that shoot everything that moves. Uh, so they've invaded Earth and have been annihilating humanity in the war against them with pr no losses, pretty much no losses throughout. Humans have been pushed back and pushed back and slaughtered, and their backs are against the wall. And we follow the story of a new recruit, Keiji Kuria, who is part of, drafted into this war and is fighting the good fight and dies inevitably because he's a new recruit and has no chance against these advanced killing machines. And then he wakes up the day before in bed and is in the, in the barracks going, wait, but I just died. So yes, it is a, it's a time loop manga as he comes to terms with his power of that every time he dies, he's looped back to the same starting point the day before the invasion on the army base he's based at. And slowly but surely coming to terms with that and developing the skills, going training, taking combat marksmanship, and slowly getting stronger and stronger to the point where he kills one. And then he kills a several. And then he kills a platoon of them. 
and going on, so on and so forth, as he tries to use this infinite time loop to turn the tides and drive the mimics back. The story focusing on will he be able to go all the way, essentially, and defeat an entire army as one person if he time loops enough and has enough training in. There are several other twists and turns to it, which I won't go into. Again, it's a relatively short thing, so you can check it out. And this is if you... So we've talked a lot about art. The artwork is damn good in this because it's done by Takeshi Obata. And if that name rings a bell, it should do. He's the artist behind Death Note, among other... He's done a whole bunch. He's essentially one of the synonymous manga artists. But Death Note, Bakuman, and uh, shoot, Hikaru no Go. Uh, is uh, most well-known ones. The original character designs and illustrations were done by Yoshitoshi Abe, who was the designer for Habani Remnai and Serial Experience Lane. So those very dis visually distinctive series, if you ever check those out. And this was based off of a novel of the same name called All You Need Is Kill, and is well enough received that it became this uh, well-known film, you might have heard of it, called Edge of Tomorrow. I was going to say that, yeah. You yeah. were describing yeah. the exact plot of Edge of Tomorrow. Like, because, oh, yeah, this is Edge of Tomorrow, or Live, Die, Repeat, the Tom Cruise film, which, uh, yeah, that's, that should give you an idea of how well-received this is, because it's not often you have Japanese literature being adapted into Hollywood blockbusters. So I do highly recommend it. And as I mentioned, it's only two volumes, which you buy in one release, 10 to 15 quid, for a story which is good enough to be made a Hollywood film, with one of the best artists in manga doing the drawings. Absolutely. One of the best actors in Hollywood. I've not seen the film, so I can't comment. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a good film. But yeah, I do highly recommend it. I would probably say All You Need Is Kill is my favourite manga, full stop. So, and, and it just came out of nowhere for me. I was not expecting to fall in love with this compared to the usual shonen fare I read. But I do highly, highly recommend this. And uh, there you go then. You've got nine lovely series that you should check out. From me, Soul Eater, Snow with the Red Hair, All You Need Is Kill. From Phil, Yu-Gi-Oh! The Original Run, Kimi Nitadoke, and not Dungeon Meshi, that was, that was Mike. That was uh, me. Shit, I'm just going to scroll up Chi, which had Atalia. Hmm. And then from Mike, you had Gungrave, you had Helsing, and then out of nowhere, Dungeon Meshi, proving that, yes, Mike is a weeaboo as well. <laughs> we knew it all along. <laughs> I gotta do one nice one. Yeah, yeah. And uh, speaking of one nice one, we will. Uh, I'm aware this episode's probably been going for donkey years at this point, so we will bring this pretty much to a close now. But first things first, Mike, where can they find you on the internet this Christmas season? Uh, the Christmas season, I have no idea. But every <laughs> other part of the year, it is at twitch.tv slash berserker. That's B E R S E K R E R for. No doubt at this point, I'm still playing through Persona 5 because that thing will never end. <laughs> but uh, in general, I play all the video games and Twitter at Bezekra as well. Yeah, I think I edited, just edited the first episode where we make reference to Persona 5. And at the time, I was like, you'll have finished it by now. And I'm oh, like, no, no, <laughs> no chance. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you want to give Mike an extra Christmas present, then why not? Why not subscribe to him? Why not oh, donate yeah. some bits to him? Oh yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot for the stars here. Uh, get me ten top uh, tier three subscriptions, uh, twenty five dollars each. Uh, just ten of them. You know, I don't want more than that. I don't want to be greedy. That's gonna say just keeping it humble. Yeah, and if absolutely. you can like help pu push him over his thousand follower goal target as well, when you're at it. That'd be that would be great. Chef's kiss. <laughs> Phil, where can they uh, find you? Uh, 
Must they? <laughs> Every it's Christmas, time. Phil, give them a gift. <laughs> a gift of knowing where you are. <laughs> oh no. Where's, where's my gift, Sean? <laughs> It was That's reading Hayate. Not having to dox myself every week on this. <laughs> Firstly, every fortnight. Secondly, uh, whatever. Every, t- every time. <laughs> we can't get away with it, can we? There's always. We were one. relatively nice to Hayate, so I don't know what you're complaining about. At <laughs> uh, Phenaxian on Twitter, P H E N A X K I A N. Yes, I mean, uh, hey, they could they could tweet you some. Uh, some Series X recommendations now that you're joining the club, or have? Oh no, we'll we've had them for months, like a month for the time this comes yes, out. Yes, we will have. Ah, shoot! I know, I know. Time, time is a construct, pretty much. And uh, if you if you want to, I can't think of a segue. Fuck it. If you want to follow me, then <laughs> I am available at Slazer King. I will no doubt be tweeting and lamenting how Christmas is back in Wales or some such at this point. I don't know. Battle going, oh shit, I haven't got a platinum trophy in any game yet this year. Need to do that this week because uh, I try and get one of those a year. But uh, yeah, we hope you've enjoyed this last episode of the year. It's been one heck of a ride for our first 16 episodes in 2020. 16, damn. Yeah, 16 of them. I mean, hey, if you want essentially the podcast recommendations, then. Uh, I think solo leveling, fly me to the moon, and apothecary dies are probably the three we've been most favourable on. So uh, why not check those out as well? You get some very strange recommendations if you just scroll down on the Spotify page for this podcast. Yeah, which we <laughs> won't talk about. <laughs> Maybe next year we'll we'll we could set we could set up crossover episodes next year. We could do that. Twenty twenty one goal crossover. Oh, trash podcast friends. Ah, oh, sweet. Yeah, but uh. Before then, though, we uh, we do have to give you that tease of what is to come next year. Except now we're we're changing the game a bit more, so that, uh, to try and increase. If you want to check out some of the stuff we've been reading before the podcast goes live, until now, you didn't really have a way to do it unless you could interpret Phil's hint and go, probably that series. But uh, from now on, we're going to tell you exactly what it is we'll be covering in the next episode. So, Phil, take it away. What can they look forward to come twenty twenty one? Yes, Phil. What is your hangover cure for the new New Year's Eve? Uh, next time we're going to be talking about the hidden dungeon only I can enter uh, series, getting an anime adaptation starting around the time the episode will go live. So we're doing our winter twenty twenty one episode. Yeah, we're uh, we're covering uh, a manga that's going to become an anime. So. We'll see you uh, 7th of January, I believe it is, bright and early in the new year where everything will have been fixed because we've added one to the year count and everything will be okay. Everything will be fine. It's going to be good. We're going to make it, guys. (laughs) See you in 2021. Have a very Merry Christmas, everyone, and a brilliant new year.